Come have a seat in the Skald Circle, and hear the tale of the Otter's Ransom, as told by Casimir. Before we begin our tale, did you know that we release new stories for free every week on Wednesdays? Be certain to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. That way, you'll never miss out when we release free bonus stories other days of the week. Never forget, visit theskullcircle.com to stay up to date with all of our current happenings. And to also visit our story archive, sorted by origin and region. Now then, this begins the tale of the Otter's Ransom. Winter had lost its heart. Every day the stallions Arvac and Osvid rose earlier to haul the sun's chariot across the sky. And quietly the snow pulled back from the valleys and plains of Midgard. Small choirs of birds sang, and Odin, Loki, and Honir were to leave Asgard and resume their exploration of the worlds. Early one morning, the three gods crossed the Bifrost. Talking and laughing, they spring-heeled into Midgard, and Odin and Loki had to stretch their legs to keep up with swift Honir. Suddenly, a late snowstorm assaulted the travelers. They struggled their way through the thick, wet flakes that tangled and danced and spun and flew in every direction, till that wild onslaught ended as abruptly as it had begun. The sun bloomed through the layers of shapeless cloud, filling it with a fierce yellow light. And then there was only the orb of the sun, the expanding acres of pale blue sky, and the blue and green levels of open Midgard. The three gods followed the course of a river towards its head, and then in the afternoon, they walked up under a waterfall. They strode into the thunder, threw the spray of diamonds, and stared into the maelstrom. Then Odin spotted an otter stretched out on the scraggy bank, not fifty paces from them. He pointed it out to Loki and Honir. The otter's eyes were shut. Feeling blessed and rather drowsy in the afternoon sun, it had just begun to eat a salmon that had caught in the waterfall. Loki pursed his lips. He bent down and picked up a fist-sized stone, took aim, and threw it as hard as he could at the otter. The stone hit the animal in the head and killed it outright. Well then, shouted Loki, struggling back to Odin and Honir with the salmon under one arm and the limp otter under the other. What do you say to that? Two for the price of one. The three companions were all equally delighted. Loki at his prowess, Odin and Honir at the prospect of a good meal that evening. They climbed up on the steep bank beside the waterfall and continued on their way up the narrowing river valley. The sun had already been drawn out of sight, and it was halfway to dark when the gods saw a farm already a little way ahead of them. Smoke lifted from its chimney. They quickened their step and gave thanks to their good fortune. Can you give us lodgings for the night? Odin asked the farmer, Reidmar. We've no wish for a do-bed. How many are you, said Reidmar? There are two others outside, Odin replied, and we can pay for our beds with food. We were in luck today, and there's enough for everyone. For my sons as well, said Reidmar. For Fafnir and Regan, and for my daughters, Ligheid and Lofenheid. Enough for everyone, said Odin airily. Then Reidmar nodded, without much enthusiasm, and Odin went to the door and called for Loki and Honir. Here we are, said Honir, and here's our supper, said Loki cheerfully. I bagged them both with one stone. When Reidmar saw the otter draped under his nose, he stiffened. For a moment, his eyes glazed, and then he turned and walked out of the room. What's wrong with him, said Loki. Odin shrugged. A cool welcome is better than a cold night, he said. I'm not so sure, said Honir. No, Odin replied, you never are. 
Pridemar walked down the low passage, punching the turf walls and found Fafnir and Regan. What do you think? What do you think, he said. Your brother Otter is dead. Dead, exclaimed the brothers, leaping up. Dead, and what else do you think? His murderers are our guests for the night. Fafnir and Regan were outraged and swore to avenge Otter's death. There are three of them and three of us, said Reidmar, so we'll have to surprise them. Each of us must take one when I give the nod. One has a rather fine spear and might be better off without it. One has strange shoes and be better off barefoot. I see nothing harmful about the third. I'll use my magic. I'll chant spells to weaken them. I'll sing a charm to bind them. Fafnir and Regan did just as their father said. The three leaped onto their visitors, and then the farmer magician Rydmar weakened their resistance so that Odin lost his spear Gungnir, and Loki was relieved of his sky shoes. When the three gods lay on the ground, bound hand and foot, Rydmar shouted, My son, you've killed my son! I'll kill you all for vengeance, you've killed my son! What does he mean? asked Odin. Otter was our brother, Fafnir said. The finest of fishermen, said Regan. He had the likeness of an otter by day, Fafnir said. All day he lived in the river and beside the river, and brought his prey to our father, a supply of fresh fish, our brother. We didn't know this, said Odin. If we had, Loki would never have killed him. Dead is dead, said Reidmar. We didn't know this, Odin said again. Do you think we'd have come straight to his father's house? You must at least give us a chance to pay a ransom before killing us. Pridemar looked at his three visitors and said nothing. I speak for the three of us, Odin said. We'll pay you as much as you demand. Pridemar thought for a while. That would be fair, he said. If you were to keep your word, you must swear an oath. And if you break it, you will all pay with your heads. Then the three companions swore that they would raise as much as Rydmar asked. All right, said the magician, turning to Fafnir and Regan. Where are Lynghide and Lofnhide? Have them flay Otter and bring me his skin again. Fafnir and Regan obeyed their father. And then Rydmar laid out Otter's handsome skin beside the fire. First you must fill this with red gold, he told the gods. And then you must cover it with red gold into the bargain. It must be wholly covered. That is the ransom for the death of my son. So be it, said Odin, and he rolled over until he was close enough to Loki to whisper in his ear. Loki listened carefully, and then he said, Let me go for the gold. Let me go and hold the other two as hostages. So Hreidmar untied Loki's bonds, and with a snatch of a look and a jeering laugh that left Hreidmar and his sons and even Honir uneasy, Loki threw open the door and ran out into the night. Loki had left his sky shoes in the care of the magician, and, in any event, he was in no great hurry. He knew Hreidmar had nothing to gain by killing Odin and Honir, and everything to win by waiting for his return with the red gold. And he was not especially averse to the thought of mighty Odin and long-legged Honir lying for a while, bound hand and foot. He dawdled all the way across Midgard to the Isle of Lazy. There, Loki visited Egir and Ran in their hall, on the seabed. The gods are in danger, he told Ron breathlessly. Odin himself lies bound, Odin and Honir. Only your net can save them. The wife of the sea god opened her cold, pale eyes very wide. Lend me your drowning net, I can use it, and not to snare men, but to save gods. 
When Loki had talked Ron into parting with Annette, he left the hall beneath the waves, quickly in case she changed her mind, and headed to the world of the Dark Elves. Loki picked his way down a chain of dripping tunnels and through a maze of twilight chambers until he came to a massive cavern. Its room was supported by columns of rock thicker than tree trunks, and its corners were still and dark. A little light, however, filtered into the middle of the cavern, from vertical shaft into the room, and showed Loki what he had come to see, a large, silent pool filled with water that seemed to spring from nowhere and flow nowhere. Loki spread out Ran's finely meshed net and cast it into the pool. He dragged it and pulled it up, and there, furiously lashing and writhing, was a large pike snared in a net. Avoiding its nasty teeth and the equally nasty look in its yellow eyes, Loki took a hold of it. First, he said, and he gave the pike a horrible shaking. You'll change shape. Change shape, echoed the cavern. Then there was no pike, but the dwarf Andvari in Rand's dripping neck. Loki disentangled him, keeping a firm hold all the well on the back of his neck. What do you want, whined Andvari. You want, said the cavern. What I want is all of your gold. Otherwise, I'll wring you out like a piece of washing. All your gold. All your gold, boomed the cavern. And Vari shuddered. He led Loki out of that echoing chamber and down a twisting passage into his smithy. It was hot and smoky but well fitted out, and well stocked with gold that gleamed in the firelight. The dwarf spread out his hands and shrugged. Gather it up, said Loki, kicking a gold nugget. And Vari scrambled about, cursing and moaning. He made a pile of discs and chips and splinters and small bars of red gold, of objects already made and objects half-made. Loki looked at the sack and was well satisfied. Is that all, he said. And Vari said nothing. He stowed the gold into two old sacks. It filled them both. Then, grunting, he dragged them across the smithy and stood with them in front of Loki. What about that ring, said Loki, pointing at the dwarf's closed right hand. I saw you hide it. And Vari shook his head. Put it in the sack, said Loki. Let me keep it, begged Anvari, just this ring. Put it in the sack, said Loki. Let me keep this, just this, pleaded the dwarf. Then at least I'll be able to make more gold again. I have no need of more, said Loki, and I'm going to strip you to the bone. He stepped forward, and knocking aside one sack, forced open Anvari's fist and seized the twisted little ring. It was marvelously wrought, and Loki slipped it onto his own little finger. What is not freely given must be taken by force, he said. Nothing was freely given, Anvari said. Loki shouldered the sacks and turned towards the door of the smithy. Take that ring, yelled the dwarf, my curse on that ring and that gold. It will destroy whoever owns it. Loki turned round and faced Anvari. So much the better. No one will win joy with my wealth, shouted Anvari. If, said Loki, if I repeat your words to those about to get this gold, then, Anvari, your curse will come to pass. And with that, Loki turned round again and with oaths and spells in his ear, made his way out of the world of the Dark Elves and into Midgard. You took your time, said Odin. Honir said nothing, he looked rather fearful. Hard one and well one, said Loki. He dumped the sacks of red gold in front of his companions. And what do you say to this, he whispered, showing Odin the twisted finger ring which he had wrenched from Anvari. Odin blinked and marveled at its subtle beauty. 
Give it to me, he said. At last, said Friedmar as he walked into the room, followed by his two sons and two daughters. He nodded, and Fafnir and Regan cut Odin and Honir free from their bonds. Slowly and stiffly, the two gods stood up. They flexed their muscles, they rubbed their hands together, they looked at their chafed wrists and ankles. Well then, Reidmar said. You must stuff the skin yourself, said Loki, or you'll never be satisfied. He emptied one sack onto the ground, and the magician stowed piece after piece inside the otter's skin. He filled it so that it was plump and taut, bursting from top to tail. Now we'll cover it completely, Loki said, opening the second sack and pouring another mound of metal over the marrow floor, while Honier held otter's skin upright, snout down. Odin and Loki heaped the gold around it. They built Otter a barrow of gold. So, said Odin, with satisfaction of a job well done, come and look for yourself, Friedmar. We've completely covered the skin. The magician walked round and round the stack. He walked round it again. He examined the gold inch by inch. Here, he said, here's a whisker. This must be covered and hidden. Otherwise, I'll hold that you've broken your oath and that will be the end of our understanding. Loki looked at Odin, and Odin looked at the twisted ring on his little finger. He sniffed and drew it off, and placed it over the single whisker showing. Now, Odin said loudly, we paid Otter's ransom in full. Indeed you have, said Reidmar. Still rather unsteady on his feet, Odin lurched across the room to where his spear Gungnir was propped in the corner. And Loki fell on his sky shoes and at once put them on. A sense of their own strength surged within them. They looked at Haridmar and Fafnir and Regan with no great liking. Listen carefully, said Loki. That ring and all that gold was made by the dwarf Anvari. I only wrested it from him with his curse, Loki paused. And what he said, I say. What he said will hold, Loki's voice was low and compelling. Take that ring, my curse on that ring and that gold. It will destroy whosoever owns it. Odin looked at Loki, his eye glittered, and Loki smiled crookedly. Then Honir took one step and was at their side. The three companions stepped out of the farmhouse into the welcoming spring air. And that is the tale of Otter's Ransom. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, please take a look at our Patreon page to learn how you can earn great rewards while also supporting us. We appreciate even the smallest of contributions, as they allow us to continue to release new stories every week for free on Wednesdays, and also to provide bonus stories for your listening pleasure. Visit us at thescaldcircle.com to view our story archive, sorted by origin and region, and to stay up to date with all of our developments. Once again, thank you for listening to our story.